Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Welcome to the Football Ramble. Manchester United go hunting for their new manager, but unfortunately it won't be Phil Brown. It's Tuesday, the 22nd of March. I'm Kate Mason. I'm Luke Moore. And I'm Jim Campbell. The way you said that always makes me think, actually, it's a pseudonym. What, he's, Luke Moore? He's got a secret little name. He's mm. got a secret hidden name. Like John Lacare. Exactly yeah. like John Lacare. It's not the perfect crime, is it? Just being on, on camera and microphone all the time. <laughs> <laughs> People will be like, oh, no, I'm sure I don't. Yeah. Not that. I'm sorry, I need to cut you off. Alias. I need to cut you off, guys, because we need to crack on because there's, um, there's some seriously, seriously big news that we need to get to at the top of the show. We haven't got much time. You know, there's a lot. Well, it's international break, so there's a lot of big <laughs> stories. But the biggest of them all... Welcome to the Mike Dean Tribute Show. He's oh, going to be hanging up his whistle. It's a sad, sad day, but is it better to have loved and lost? I say yes. In this instance? I say yes. I don't know I, if process. as a policy that's correct, but certainly in the case of Mike Dean. This must be what it felt like when the Beatles broke up. You know what bit, I mean? Yeah. Like just the, this unprecedented... They're not breaking him up. <laughs> At least we get a few more... Well, potentially. So the, the story is, guys, before you all just you know, give up watching football and, and the will to live. The story does seem to be that he's in negotiations to be a full-time VAR. So I guess that's less of a physical job it's a lovely gig. when you get to mm. 53. What I wondered is, do you get, does it count? Do the red card, does the red card tally count if you're a VAR? Because it's of course, question. and do you, if someone checks it and it stands or if it gets upgraded from a yellow, do you get like an assist? Well, or yeah, do you get... Yeah. 
VAR, VAR's fucked the ref stats because <clears throat> you can't legitimately say, <clears throat> excuse me, you can't, it's not what well, you can legitimately say, but it's not the same thing yeah. if a referee's chosen not to give a red, VAR's told them to do so and they've done it because they're mm. not essentially making it and doing it themselves. I suppose you've got the element of the screen and everything like that. It becomes very complicated. But Jim, <laughs> are you sad it's over or just happy that it happened? I'm sad it's over, I've got to be honest. It's I mean, not yet over, Jim. Yeah, but there's what, like 10 games left of this season? We could do a Who's going to be his last red? Like he's he's going to be trigger happy, surely. Gerard even did a by tour. his own. Was it Terry? Terry and Gerard pretty much it felt like a tour. Yeah, yeah, didn't it? In their last season. Oh, Terry had did that stupid um, thing with the, the guard of honor thing, didn't yes. they? Came off in a certain minute. I think Mike yeah. Dean's going to want to do that. Well, if it was, <laughs> I mean, we we should really start think seriously about what Mike Dean deserves here. Does he deserve this kind of retro? Is this the most seismic thing to happen to football since Keys and Gray left Sky Sports? It's up there. Yeah. I think the, the most appropriate <laughs> thing for him should, to do... I don't think we should put... I, don't, I think that's a bit mean, Luke. I what? don't think we should put Mike Dean on a kind of... It is mean to him. I was yeah. doing it on purpose. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. All right, yeah. fine. I think the most appropriate I'm always ending... always back you, Mikey. <laughs> yeah. ...will be him uh, kind of concluding his final game, walking mm. himself into the centre circle and then just sending himself off into yeah. the night. <laughs> Jim, that's no, but definitely going to happen. He red cars himself. <laughs> he red cars himself, hooks himself to a wire that's on the top of a <laughs> helicopter and just yeah. reverse abseils out. Off I pop. Yeah. <laughs> kind of Keegan-esque. Off I pop. Someone brings out a big mirror, a full length, and he red cars himself. And then he reverse abseils up into a helicopter and disappears into the sunset. Yeah. Okay, enough of all this. Slash the VAR room. A few weeks later, he comes back to do VAR. Yeah. But, yeah. Enough of all this silliness, guys. Let's be serious. Jim, which is your favourite of Mike Dean's 114 red cards? Oh, it is off your pop. It was Lewis Dunk. Okay, he, he sent it for a yeah. second yellow. Off your pop. All right. Was that a no look red as well? He had a habit of that, didn't he? He did a lot of no look so yellow. Nonchalant. That yeah, is part of... of the quality of Mike Dean, isn't it? Mm. He's you know he's affecting the course of a game, but he manages to make it just like mm. ah. Yeah. Another day, you know, another day, another dime. As he was saying, uh, not so very long ago, it's a hobby to him. So the question actually is, is he giving up, Luke, or is it is this well, just he's just gonna do it pro bono? Yeah. It's quite interesting for the football he, community. He, he thinks of it in that way. Because obviously he gets, you know, relatively speaking, you know, actually relatively speaking to other football to football players, he doesn't get paid very well, but relatively speaking to the whole country, he gets paid pretty well for his job, but he still sees it as something he enjoys. That's good. Um he loves Tramir Rovers, I know. So yeah, that, do you remember when he was at the game, just like going stood crazy. on that thing going absolutely nuts. Quite it's brilliant. Like, but people, what a, a lot of people him. took the piss out of it, but the Mike, the Mike Dean origin story, I think, is quite an interesting one because I remember, so he started out very, very early on. I, I was reading when I knew we were going to be talking about this that he started out as an assistant referee in 1995. It was a long time hell. ago, right? Well, he's been in the Premier since 2000, hasn't he? That's amazing, yeah, given wow. the physical requirements. Yeah. But what he also used to do, I remember a time when we, around when we first started the Ramble where Mike Dean always had a reputation to me, just as a viewer, as someone who he always seemed to give more penalties than any other um, referee I, I at the time I didn't think it was because he was he loved the limelight and maybe it is that I don't know but at the time it felt like he was the only referee who wouldn't change his thought process because a foul occurred in the penalty area yeah. and too many referees back then I wonder if they still do I'd have to have a think about it but too many referees back then it felt like they were making a different decision in the penalty area Mike like Dean, you wouldn't want to send someone off in yeah, the first two minutes fine yeah. exactly right exactly yeah. that principle where almost they apply their interpretation of the laws which I know they have to do to a certain extent in that way Dean would always just say it's a foul so therefore it's a penalty and that I think that's from my memory that's really how his reputation kind of started mm -hmm. because he got a lot of, 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 of attention for that because people were going 
another penalty in this game because it was Mike Dean kind of thing. And then it kind of all started from there. Mm-hmm. That's his origin story for as far as and I you, remember. you then get clubs or fans of clubs convinced that he's got an agenda against them because he's just given loads of penalties for everyone. All good yeah. referees should yeah. have that. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah. Howard how Webb, Mark Clatt, I mean, people said that about mm-hmm. all of them. Can I push you for your favourite oh, yeah. Mike Dean moment? My favourite Mike Dean moment is probably going to be the celebration of a goal. No, that's my one. Of course, okay. that's my one. That's Tottenham, isn't it? It, it won't be that one then. You, that that's one. what you're on about. Yeah, it is, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's against, against Villa. Villa. Yeah. yeah, because which I think in retrospect he was, I think he was celebrating his own good refereeing, yes. right? Because he played advantage and then Moussa Dembele scored, and he was like, "I've it, done a good yeah. job." And, and, and I mean, which is quite. I mean, obviously, I'm Tottenham, and I imagine if you're a Villa fan, you'd just be a bit like. What what's he, he, doing? <laughs> but, yeah. he should think about the public relations aspect of that. But I understand why he was pleased that he done a good job. That's yeah. fair enough. So my favourite moment, I'm going to start on a little bit a little bit of a tangent. Hopefully you'll indulge me. I went on holiday recently and I flew a very, very in a, in, in a very small plane to get there, right? It was eight-seater. And I was sat right behind the pilot and it was a very mechanical plane, an old-fashioned plane, not a jet engine or anything like that. And it was also um, very clear what he was doing because he was, I was sat literally closer to him than I am sat to you guys now. And he was doing it all very well. And, and what that meant was you could actually see him really doing the job. And it was quite insightful, but it also made you think, shit, I'm in some kind of Tim can here. Mm. Yes. And if the guy piles in or has faints or something, we're basically dead because there's no autopilot, there's no co-pilot. Anyway, the guy was great. Very, very relaxed, great personality. He was doing all the work himself. So he loaded the luggage onto the plane. He talked to you about the safety process, all the rest of it. And um, when we landed, he said, everybody, welcome to X. But the destination, he said, was a different destination on purpose because he wanted to have a little joke at the end. Oh, right? no. Now, I, I admired it. I liked it because I thought you've done a good job there and you've treated yourself to a joke at yeah. the end, right? I've got no problem with that. I don't want to fucking clown before we get in the plane, but you've landed us. You've had a nice little joke to yourself. You probably said it to everyone. That's fine. He's completed the journey. Exactly. Right? I thought he was doing it in the beginning. We're taking off and heading to wherever. And yeah. that all leads Phew. us towards the moment that Mike Dean hid the hat-trick ball from Sergio Aguero in the Man City game. <laughs> you've done a good job, Sergio. I've done a good job. Little that's joke at the end. Let's indulge ourselves. Yeah. And here's the ball. That's why that's my best moment. So you wouldn't like the one where he sniffed the, the assistant referee because I think that was pre-game. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want it pre-game. Do you nah. remember his utter disdain for the ball on a plinth? <laughs> yeah. yeah. That was good as well. He just thought it was a load of old yes, nonsense. Of old, yeah, just... Just, just silly, and newfangled just, just, crap. Yeah, exactly. Just, just get on with it. When he, the way he treated that plinth was like he was saying to himself, <laughs> "We used to be a country, a proper country." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Are we you used all to be right a sport. with plinths? I imagine Lee, that I like might the be, plinth. That might be one of your. We were little big bugbears. We were very um, taken by it at the start when it mm. first started happening. We're like, okay, I like the way the referee. What it did is it gave respect to the referee. It, it was said. When the referee mm. takes that ball off the plinth, he's decided that we're game on. Yeah. And it's down to him. It's like when I push that button, isn't it? Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it should be an airplane. That's, air the, plinth. that's, my, that's the feature. There's no reason me. it can't be an airplane. Why isn't yeah. it just that car, though? Ah, uh, yeah. yeah. I think that'd that would be overdone by now, wouldn't it? Yeah. We'd be bored of the car by now. We'd be desensitized to it. And I never want to be desensitized to the little car. The little car was great. I don't think you can legitimately ask a man of Mike Dean's profile and experience to referee <laughs> a game that's started by a remote control car. There was, uh, did you see the one fairly recently where a kid, it was a kid driving a little mini car? I think it was rugby. Yes. More adorable. And Less adorable than it's rugby, but more adorable. I think it was rugby kid. and he drove, part, I don't know, he lost control of the vehicle. Really? <laughs> yeah. drove that, that is a risk, isn't it? Again, like you pressing the button. Look, <laughs> <laughs> like, I just guide the vehicle. It's up to you if you want to crash it repeatedly into a bank. <laughs> I do. 
Now let's get to now we've paid have we paid enough homage we've paid full and complete homage to Mike Dean there. We wish him all the best, don't we? We wish him yeah. all the best, especially as we're gonna it's a shame not to get the flourish, I guess, if he's on VAR. If, but if he if he does a proper no look yellow in his final game, we'll know <sighs> he's self aware. Mm-hmm. And I'll be looking out for that. I let, clip this up because I sincerely think he's gonna send himself off. Now you've said that, Jim. I sincerely <laughs> I sincerely believe that. Um to give him his due, we should also probably say that he has given a red in 20.6% of his games. Yeah. But the league average is 20.1%. So yeah. it is yeah. actually on, on, pretty on, on message. On Which is the button. Mad because it's 114 reds he's given, isn't it? So, and that's quite some way ahead of the next referee. But he's just been around so long that it kind of levels it's in, out. It's, it's, incre- it's incredible that he stayed at the get- top of the game for so long. When we wrote the Ramble book back in 2016, um, I did the referees chapter. And we did quite a lot of research into it. And Marcus and I did some fitness stuff around the referee. Oh, no. Right. And it's not a surprise that I couldn't do it. But Marcus couldn't really get that near it. And he was playing quite a you know, decent. He's a mm. decent athlete, Marcus, really, especially then. And, and it showed you that some of the... And I'm not trying to set up Marcus as some kind of benchmark or whatever. But the point I am making is that some of these referees are pushing 50 years they're, old. They're yeah. all bloody 50. That's yeah. the thing at the moment. There's like four of really. them at 50. Um, so the level of fitness alone is really, really tough. Yeah. And then you've got a Andre Mariner, in. Martin Atkinson, Kevin Friend, John Moss, and Graham Scott all over the age of 50. And then you've got a factor in that when you're fatigued, it's far harder to make decisions and be calm and all the rest of it. So they, they that, make, might, look, so... that might start adding fuel to the fire. We spent certain ten, questions. We spent 10 minutes completely taking the piss out of them. <laughs> but is it okay to show a bit of balance and say that actually, when all said and done, it's a very impressive job? Is it also okay to suggest little referee car? Yeah, give him a hand. Give him a hand. Nice. Or one of those segues. Yeah, that's actually that's really nice. That makes, that's a great yeah, that's, visual that's image. Excellent. And we're just going to move on to Manchester United now. <laughs> so oh, slick, so slick. <laughs> She's used a physical segue. Yeah, as a segue. <laughs> <laughs> on to the managerial hunt of Manchester United. So look, since they've been knocked out of the Champions League, they have been. They've got seventeen days because it's international break to really consider this issue. You'd have thought they might have committed a few days to it earlier yeah. than, than now, but it seems to be that their shortlist continues the same. Uh, Mauricio Pochettino still and Eric Ten Hag also being linked, Luis Enrique and uh, Ewan Lopetegui. Mm. What do we think about this? Because I was uh, thinking about, you know, when City were deciding to, they had their plan to get in Pep Guardiola, a man who'd won a hell of a lot of titles, um, young Klopp at Liverpool when they were trying to you know move them to the next level clearly Poch holds a very special place in my heart um, mm-hmm. but but you wouldn't say that they're the same he, he and Ten Hag <coughs> are the same <coughs> level of like proven title winning managers would you Jim I think it's fair to say no but there's a lot of different factors that go into making a reputation right so I think you know Pochettino has managed... Overcoming Bayern Munich what, at the helm of Borussia Dortmund with far fewer resources. Yeah, that was... Well, yeah, but I <laughs> that's mean... That's one way of doing it. Yeah, but I think um, a reputation is a strange thing, isn't it? We're seeing it with Frank Lampard now. That you're like His reputation seems like it could he could just become part of like the, the modern merry-go-round of the kind of like, you know, you boilerplate British manager. Whereas you know, Ten Hag managing at Ajax means perhaps... You know, he's, he's won a lot more than Pochettino has, but Pochettino's managed in leagues with a lot more competition. And, you know, and he also does have the France, hardest... But like, yeah. He also has the hottest job in world football, basically. In, in a weird way, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I, I'm surprised that Man United don't have enough people working for them 
that they can do this not in an international break. Do you know what I mean? It seems like, <laughs> it seems like quite a big organisation. Yeah. Like, yeah. Are they are they so so busy otherwise? Well, I think I think obviously, joking aside, you've hit on something there, Jim. I think we can look at this from a bottom up way, as in who's the manager, or we can look at it from a top down way. I I I started thinking about this when I knew we were going to be talking about it because the guys wanted to talk, the production guys wanted to talk about Pochettino and Ten Hag specifically. And I was thinking, okay, well, who's a better fit there? <sighs> and just to be honest, I couldn't really convince myself that I can think of a manager who would be able to deliver any kind of sustained success at Manchester United where they are at the moment. And that tells you a lot about Manchester United and not that much about the managers that are in the shortlist. Agreed. I, yeah. I do think there's some obvious points to make, which are that, you know, Pochettino would be going into a different version of almost exactly the same issue he's got at PSG at Manchester United. And he's not exactly showered himself in glory at PSG on a number of different levels. Now, there's a lot of mitigation there, a lot of reasons why you can only control what <laughs> yeah. you can control. Yeah. And Eric Tanhag, I don't know as much about him. Um, and he said that, you know, he, he thinks that Ten Hag is a less good fit than Pochettino is. So I would, I would, you know, I would, I would defer to Andy on that knowledge. And the reason that, that Andy said that, I think, from what I remember, is he said that Ten Hag is someone who, who needs a good football framework to be able to succeed. Now, at Ajax... That's such a dig. Ajax, Ajax <laughs> are kind of quite, quite known for their framework and their philosophy and their kind yeah. of their, their yeah. situation and the way they bring for the old players and, and keep a philosophy going. Man United don't have that and they're nowhere really close to having that. I know they've got a new guy in there to replace Woodward. I know that he's supposed to be a more collaborative figure than, than Woodward was and perhaps they, they, they envisage him being a better fit than Woodward was on the football side and whoever else is in there. But also you've got to figure out about um, Ralph Randnick's role as well. I mean, what's he going to do? They, they don't know what he's going to do based on what they've been leaking out and what's been briefed to reporters. So it's all a bit of a mess. And very finally, just quickly, I would say that it's no coincidence that it's taken a long while to unpick what's happened at Man United because it was so built around the cult of personality in Sir Alex Ferguson at a time when it was possible to do that. If they want to keep up with um, you know, clubs that are funded by essentially states and investment funds, something that we, you know, we all here don't think is a good idea, but it's happening. Mm. They aren't going to be able to do what they did with Ferguson. I don't think they, are, they should be looking just to one totemic figure, no matter how good a manager he is, um, to build their whole club around. Mm. And there are loads of other areas of Man United that need investment as well. Yeah. People who go to United all the time will tell you the stadium is not fit for purpose, yeah. Yeah, all the rest of it. So it's a big, big job. And I, don't, I think actually if you, if you only talk about the managerial position, you're talking about a very, very small part of it and you're not going to solve the overarching problems that they've got at the club. I think that's, it's, it's, that's an interesting point, isn't it? Because clearly the problems go deeper than the manager. But... They have made a change. Um, as you say, Edward was being replaced. Rangnick is going to go upstairs. So this is the beginning of the process of changing that, right? Rangnick has yeah. a really good good reputation as a sort of sporting yeah. director. So, I mean, it, this could actually be the first steps in the right direction of them of them fixing this. Because so, that was the thing I was going to ask, is like, does it, does it seem to you guys, because if you think about them, generally all the stuff about their like earnings, calls, like I know that proper businesses have to do that, and but it's the question about the footballing ambition. To, you know, the the people, one of the other people that they've been linked to, of course, is Thomas Tuchel. Although that would seem to be like a very difficult and complicated yeah. thing to try and effect. But you know, the people around the club. I've read all sorts of things about people around the club say the atmosphere is a bit kind of cosy in terms mm. of like it's not it's not about the sporting edge really. 
And that could just be because people are extrapolating about the bloody pot noodle partners and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. But there does seem to be something in that. We, we see it happen at clubs, right? Players get comfortable because even if you, you know you're, you're not winning things and and the fans are on your back a bit, it's probably quite a nice life being a Man United player, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, and yeah. if that just continues, it becomes the norm and the standards drop. We, we've seen it happen at my own club. We've seen it at loads of different clubs where where players seem to get complacent. And also, this squad is a little bit of a a strange concoction isn't it when you throw Ronaldo into the mix which seemed kind of that was, but that was just a branding exercise we talked well, about it the whole time but, but that's but that's not a good thing is it no no it's, it's terrible and I think so sorry that is more what I'm talking about rather than specifically the players although I do think there's a lot of merit in that you know there's these things like uh, Avram Glazer was in Dubai talking about the launching a cricket team it's it's that sort of thing it's the idea that I don't know, maybe that would be good. I'm not sure, Luke, would you watch a Red Devils cricket team? I don't think you watch that much cricket, do you? No, not much. I don't, I don't mind cricket. <laughs> I might, sometimes text might Vish. Might be your gateway. I sometimes check, I text Vish really basic bone questions about cricket because nice. I've been watching it for half an hour mm. and he eviscerates me on WhatsApp. Oh, does he? Being I thought he would like secret. take you through it, like being your, your root in. Why would he? I wouldn't do that for him. So why would he do that for me? <laughs> but, but, but yeah, no, so sorry. The point I'm making is it's this. It's everything around it. It's this common it complaint about what's happened to Manchester United. It is. but It's, I, become, it's just a brand. And it's not a football club. It, it, no, that's right. I think that's right. And I think everything you guys have said, I, I kind of broadly agree with. But if you're going to focus particularly on the playing staff, which I guess is probably what the listeners and the fans of the club want to hear about, if you look at the seasonal, according to Opta, the seasonal most picked team across this season, I think there's a pretty good argument that seven of them aren't good enough. Right. Right. So is David De Gea good enough for the very level they need? Is he consistent enough? Aaron Wan-Bissaka's dropped off a cliff. Is Lindelof good enough? Is Harry Maguire good enough? Is Luke Shaw good enough? Is Scott McTominay good enough? Is Fred good enough? Is um, we, you know, Mason Green was a different kettle of fish. We can't really mm. talk about him. Um, the only ones you could really legitimately say are making a proper consistent contribution at the level they need to be making a le- consistent contribution at are probably Bruno Fernandes, who's struggled badly since Ronaldo's come, or he's at least Play, playing in a different way which isn't as effective Cristiano Ronaldo you could say look when all said and done he's scoring a lot of goals yeah. so he's making a contribution in that way but has he been great for the team probably not and Jaden Sancho who's really underperformed because he's going into an unhelpful environment would be my until opinion recently, until mm. recently that's the whole fucking team yeah. I, so I think, you know you've got, you got to bear that in mind England's yeah. Harry Maguire and Luke Shaw I think, yeah Luke Shaw in particular I think is, is a good example as well isn't he because he's had such a sort of up and down time at Man United and there was I mean he was absolutely fantastic for them last season and going into the Euros obviously was was such an asset um, but again his form has become a little bit more middling and it's that unstable environment that you're talking about isn't yeah, it I, it doesn't, I, I, I doesn't about, seem to know what direction they're going in I think you're right about Luke Shaw last season but I think of Luke Shaw now and I think I remember the game that they lost at home to Wolves in the turn of the year he was awful awful against Atletico Madrid in the Champions League last month he got dragged off after an hour awful you know th- these kind of things matter in, 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 in these mm. kind of games they need, they need to be getting results in and, and so Look, I'm not criticising them personally because you know, obviously they're human beings are doing their best, I'm sure. The environment's not great for them. But I've just made an example, given an example there that a whole team is potentially got problems. And that's we're not just talking about one or two players here. The whole team. So that's not going to help you when, it, when you're supposed to be judging yourself on the standards that you're Manchester United and you're supposed to be right at the very top table of, of European football all the time. The thing is though, guys, um, Gary Neville has actually solved the problem here because the issue that they have uh, he's tweeted yesterday I remember a time when United players executives managers wouldn't be seen in their local Italian 
after a draw at home, let alone getting knocked out of Europe. This last week, we've seen a global tour of F1, concerts, cricket and UFC events. This lot are capitalised, just the first letters of each. Tone deaf. Mm, interesting choice, that. Um, you, so basically, if they didn't go out so much... Well, I mean, there's, a, there's an argument to be made that if you don't go out so much, you play better football. I certainly find uh, that. It's a generational thing, though, isn't it? It's, I'm, sure that, you know, I'm sure those players went out when they were younger. It's just there wasn't social media, as Gary Lineker pointed out. Yeah, and Roy Keane said a similar thing. Carragher said, you should be crying, basically, worse to the fact of, you should be crying in your fucking bedroom if you've lost a game of football, <laughs> so I don't know what they're doing. But I, do, I, do, I, do think there's an, I do think there's an argument... There's definitely a conversation to be had here around the idea that should players be... Of course, they should have other interests. Of course, they should have a bit of light and shade and have time to to um, decompress. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But on the other hand, the F one that F one race has been Bahrain. Yeah, right. Yeah. We're not talking about popping to the end of the row for a bite to eat. I don't think anyone else would begrudge them having interest that sort of football, having social media accounts, like going out for dinner with their whatever. I don't, I don't care about that. But, but there's a conversation to be had there. Do you think so? Because it's yeah. not just the equivalent of us going to the pop. Like, you know, when you've got that much money, you just like, oh, I fancy a weekend away. All right, let's pop to Bahrain. Yeah, but I mean, lovely that's, place. That's a, that's a long old journey, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I'm not saying that I fully agree with Gary Neville because I don't. But I'm also not saying that his comments aren't without merit. Oh in God principle, does. Jesus, that's not the route I thought you we'd be going. A, you asked. Listen. <laughs> You asked for a quick take. There's a quick take. All right. Can't win, can I, Jim? No. Right. Thanks, Luke. You're welcome. You always win with me. All right. <laughs> Let's get to a break, everybody. Plenty more to come. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This episode of the Football Ramble is sponsored by BetterHelp. Life throws many different challenges at us, and as a result, we all have our own sources of stress. Whether big or small, those stresses can impact our lives in unpredictable ways, and if we don't address them, they can have an outsized and unwanted impact. Therapy is a safe place in which we can address these issues, learn to understand them, and find ways to work through them. Having therapy can be beneficial to anybody, not just people who've experienced major traumas, even if you may have not considered it before. It could be simply a time for you to get things off your chest, a way to learn positive coping skills or how to set boundaries. Ultimately, it can be whatever you need it to be. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire and BetterHelp will match you to a licensed therapist. You can even switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. 
Visit betterhelp.com forward slash ramble today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com forward slash ramble. Welcome to Eureka, the show that gets under the skin of science in a good way. I'm Rick Edwards. And I'm Dr. Michael Brooks. Not the kind of doctor who'd be able to help much if you're having like a heart attack. But if you're wondering about quantum physics or the theory of matter, he's your man. Well, probably. Every week we're asking a new puzzling question from the world of science and discovering the answer with the help of a world-leading expert. Like, will we ever talk to animals? They are definitely talking. You know, that's, again, a word that I would qualify because we usually mean that vocally. But in their own ways, they're talking to us every single day. Are face transplants the future of cosmetic surgery? Given that range of what's considered attractive, there's probably no point wanting to change your face to be more attractive if you follow science. And should we fear an alien invasion? If an imperialistic drive brings other civilizations to us, then obviously it's not good news. But if it's scientific exploration, it may be good news. If you're interested in learning a little bit more about the weird, magnificent world around us, then this is the show for you. Eureka. Subscribe now and find us on Twitter at EurekaPod. New episodes every Wednesday. Eureka is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. Stayed down. You would too, Chris. Yeah. You hit him in the penis. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Welcome back to the Football Ramble. Me, Jim and Luke with you today. And now we've got time for some emails. If you've got something for us, showfootballramble.com. Rebecca's been in touch. Uh, she says, as a Chelsea fan, I have been closely following the constant stream of news surrounding the club's potential new owners, for which the candidates appear to range from shady billionaires to murderous despots, a shortlist which says it says a lot about the state of modern football. I've also been wondering how the new owners will be chosen. In lieu of any transparency about this process, I would like to suggest an apprentice-style competition in which the various consortiums yes. compete in a series of tasks to win the right to use our beautiful game Absolutely, for yes. their no-doubt nefarious means. Suggested challenges could be <laughs> arranging transport and a Accommodation for the team and support staff to Madrid for the Champions League quarter-final tie within whatever arbitrary budget the government decide. Nice. Writing a PR statement on the latest twist in the crisis without embarrassing the entire club. Acquiring a new shirt sponsor to replace three, preferably with a self-produced accompanying cringe-inducing promotional video. We would also need to select a panel to decide who will be hired. Alan Sugar is out as the main man, being a Spurs fan. Yeah. Karen Brady's role with West Ham would also be a conflict of interest. I was thinking the mysterious dubious goals committee might be interested in extending their reach into other murky means or maybe a selection of our finest VAR officials as we all know how consistently sensible their decision making has been shown to be. Please let me know your thoughts on my idea and any suggestions for challenges. It would be fun to watch the Saudi princes, princes, US property tycoons and Sebco take on. Yeah, I completely agree. The Apprentice is always a marvel every week. I enjoy watching yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I think the only thing I would disagree with Rebecca on is the idea of who the panel's going to be. Yeah. Because I immediately thought Jeremy Clarkson, Suggs and Phil Daniels <laughs> who are the Tim Lovejoy, maybe. Oh, Lovejoy. But is he, does he still support them? Because he flips around point. a bit. He might, yeah, he might be a City fan now. Who knows? <laughs> it would be funny to have Suggs doing it. It would be. Yeah. It would. Yeah. <sighs> I wish we had more influence. How can we make this happen? I, I, lo- I love watching The Apprentice because it is 
like so, so cringe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and the thing is, it's, the, the it's thing like I'm, we were saying about Ronaldo the other day. They they don't know that they're prats. These people. <laughs> I think they did. You no, know you were saying about know? Ronaldo. I was saying about Paul McCartney. Um, <laughs> yeah, true. I, I, um, I like the idea that... She's got a cool daughter there, hasn't he? We're discussing. I don't really know much about her. Well, only because she's designing the... We asked the women's kits. Asked yeah. the women's kits, yeah. But I was going to say on The Apprentice, it's like, it's kind of, a, it's like a post, it's a post-reality show era reality show. Because... Essentially, they're not even trying to give them an environment where they can succeed. No. In fact, they're going out of their way to make them look yeah. stupid and people are still doing it. Yeah. Is that not a lot of the, the editing? Maybe they're just perfectly Probably, normal, lovely, okay. thoughtful... Okay, well, let me rephrase it then. People without any hubris or, we're gonna, or arrogance. We're going to go halfway to more making you look stupid by the way we structure the show, and then we're going to properly see you off in the edit. Mm. That, people yeah. know that's happening, they still yeah, go on it. Welcome to the Football Ramble. <laughs> Get your dilemmas in for pep talks tomorrow on the show. It's show at footballramble.com, or you can tweet us at footballramble. Send us all your biggest dilemmas. I don't think we can help with this top dilemma here, which is how the fuck... Is anyone who supports Manchester City or Liverpool going to get to the FA Cup semi-final next month? Well, I'll tell you, they're not going to be using the train because there are not going to be any direct trains at all from either Manchester or Liverpool to London. Traffic update. That's nice. Yeah, um, yeah, that is a, an issue, isn't it? Could they perhaps do some sponsored walks? Make, <laughs> raise, raise money for Chelsea? What, Show some long, solidarity? How long do you reckon that would take? Borrow Chelsea's minibus. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's 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 terrible because we we it's look, ridiculous. The people it's yeah, <laughs> utterly ridiculous. Totally, people, totally ludicrous. I agree. The people at the top of football in this country and the people at the top of the train networks yeah. have somehow conspired to fuck it up. Well, I'm not surprised by it. I don't want you to think that I'm not I'm not saying it's ridiculous because obviously I know it is, but I'm not surprised by it because what do you expect from average people running average organisations that just happen to have a huge amount of interest from the public yeah. and therefore you know it, everything goes wrong all the time. It takes I just looked it up from if you were to walk from Anfield to Wembley it would take 63 hours. Yeah. So it's actually walk. what three days? It's a long walk. It's it's a just long, assuming you don't sleep. But, but when you when you bear into bear in mind the idea that the only reason that the FA Cup semi-finals are happening at Wembley in the first place is because the FA mismanaged their own finances so badly they had to have more games at Wembley, yeah, just as many as possible place. to pay for it, and we still have a situation where we're expecting Man Man City fans and Liverpool fans to travel all the way down to London, even though the distance between their two cities is you know really marginal by comparison. And then we're not going to give them any way to travel. And by the way, even if they did have a way to travel on the trains, it would be so extortionately expensive yeah. that people would have to take out a fucking mortgage yes. to do it. So, and, um, and that's all bound up in the idea that apparently the government wants us to be more environmentally friendly. Yeah. So it is an absolute shambles, but it's not surprising. Will so there be rail replacement buses, perhaps? Like an absolute think, fleet of rail replacement buses. I don't think they buses. do them for journeys that long. Yeah, no, it'd be too far, wouldn't it? Yeah. So you, 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 it's, it's mad. What it might make for is the angriest atmosphere we have ever seen at Wembley <laughs> since the Euros final. <laughs> yeah, it's the last big game of yeah. I, I, I suppose we had, the, we had the League Cup final. What I would, I would advise is, you know, given that um, in this cl climate of, of, of people's cost of living being squeezed and it's being really difficult, and, you know, people like Martin Lewis on Money Saving Experts saying, yeah. you know... I'm I, running out of tips. He said, I can't help you with this. Ridiculous. What I, the only thing I can advise now is government intervention, is what he mm. said. Um, so it's very difficult for people generally. We all know that. It would be a really nice um, gesture and also um, a good PR win as well for the clubs. 
know, both of whom are wealthy, to say, do you know what, we'll, yeah. we'll take care of it. So um, I know it shouldn't fall to the players. It shouldn't fall to even the clubs in this situation, I don't think, personally. But maybe it's a nice PR win for them to do that uh, because basically all they're saying is, you've all been let down. We know that. Here, we'll help you out kind of thing. Um, it feels to me like the kind of thing it would have happened in the past. You hear players doing that quite a lot, didn't you? Well, do a day? plane, do a few planes. I don't know how they would go about doing it. Um, it's just a major hassle getting it's trying really, to drive really all that away, tough, especially really that many people. Yeah, it's really tough. So the supporters groups at the moment have combined and have said, um, "Can we just have it like somewhere in the north?" Well, they please? should be doing that. They should, yeah. be doing that. <laughs> they should be doing that. Can you move it out? In perspective, for those of us, fucking who, ludicrous. In, in perspective, for those listening who live um, who aren't listening in in the UK, in the UK yeah. Um, I live in West Norwood in South London, and I find it impossible. To, to, to travel to and from Wembley uh, in northwest London yeah. uh, because just the, the, the transport network's just not up to it. Yeah. So the, the decisions you have to make based around visiting Wembley are very, very annoying because it's not been done properly. There was no justification for building it there in the foot and when they had a chance to rebuild it. So, look, it's a, as ever on this show, we're just talking about a lot of things that are just a complete shit show. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Um, oh, sorry, I guess sticking with the FA a little bit, talking about England squad's uh, replacement. So we, um, a few injuries, of course, but it means that for the England team, Tyreek Mitchell and Carl Walker-Peters have received their first England senior call-ups. Uh, Aaron Ramsdale, Trent Alexander-Arnold, Rhys James and Tabby Abraham, Tammy Abraham have withdrawn through injury, which means that Sam Johnston and Ollie Watkins are back in as well. Uh, no Cameron Phillips in this England squad. Of course, he um, he is being linked with Aston Villa and also West Ham, you guys. Yeah, that's, it's kind of interesting. So on, on the England in the England squad thing, um, it's great to see that um, players are being rewarded. I think Tyrek Mitchell particularly has been very good. Um, still very young in his career, of course. His, his teammate has also been, been called up. And then Carl Walker-Peters is someone who's played a lot through the, the youth ranks and we've seen Gareth Southgate kind of show not preferential mm. treatment but, but to, he shows that he does prefer that to have yeah, people like some pathways isn't it? yeah exactly so it's, it's great for them I remember a time when players you'd be brilliant and they would never get picked because they didn't play for a big team and, and that was a real bugbear for a lot of England fans it feels like we're truly past that now because you know Ward Prowse is also playing you know, fairly mm, although I was fairly, uh, I was I thought Ivan Tony. Deserved yeah. a little nudge. Mm. You, well, you said that you thought Tyreek Mitchell was being called up early because he potentially could declare for someone else. Yeah, correct. So yeah, um, part of it he he could. So he, in contrast to Carl Walker Peters, he hasn't played in any of the England junior setup, and he could declare for Jamaica. And Jamaica have been doing a really like impressive job yeah. of getting yeah. um, lots of particularly England-based players to to declare for them, and Mick Antonio as yeah. well, of course, joined their squad. So I, yeah. Uh, this is not based on any kind of wicked whispers from Gareth, but I, um, <laughs> but yeah, I just think I wondered if that was part of the reason. You know, he played so well very recently. I enjoyed watching him in the City game, for example. Um, but it seems like kind of a canny move to to get him to play for England at this point. Absolutely. Uh, and then on the um, Calvin Phillips thing, it's, I find it quite interesting because a big part of why Leeds have struggled in the way they have has been because Calvin Phillips. And Patrick Bamford haven't been consistently available. Yeah, right? Liam yeah. Cooper as well. Cooper as well. Um, they they almost it's like in midfield they don't really know what to do without Calvin Phillips and up front they without the focal point of Bamford who brings everyone else in they kind of really struggle. Mm. Now Phillips has also been an important player for England as we all know and it's obviously too early for him to come back into the squad for now. But this is the second time and if you factor in that there's two clubs this time with Villa and West Ham, the third time 
that Phillips has somehow been linked, right? Mm. With another move, with a move to a club that are roughly a kind of similar level. I don't yeah. be disrespectful to West Ham Villa, but they're in that kind of bracket. Leeds mm. are underperformed this season, but I don't think anyone could argue well, I mean, about West the size Ham, of club at least. Okay, I would separate those two guys out, wouldn't you? Not in terms of size of club, I wouldn't. I no, think, okay, I but think, in terms of obviously West Ham's achievement, this Lars yesterday trying to try not to patronise them. So I'm just no, you know, I, I, they've I, done I incredibly think, in Europe this season. Yeah, they have, but I think that I think it's fair to say that Leeds and West Ham are roughly similar size of club, right? So it's it's not necessarily a you know a, a, a mad stepping stone to a big club move because that's really disrespectful to Leeds I think but the fact that he keeps being linked makes me think that there's something going on there like maybe there are there is an opportunity to get him and maybe he is looking because he's 26 now maybe he is looking and going I want a much bigger contract mm. and he'll get a much bigger contract if he moves there's no way Leeds are going to give him the same money to stay they might, I suppose they might do but um, it's just interesting to me because normally if players don't want to be open to a move. You don't. It doesn't really come up. Yeah, I, I would, it's an interesting one, as you say. I feel like he could, with again with respect to Villa and West Ham, probably could play for a club of a higher profile, the club that need him most. You would argue is Man United. He won't never go there. Really, but, well, exactly. Yeah, that's going to be be really really difficult. So, yeah, it'd be really interesting to see where he lands. If Villa can get him, that is that is huge. It's a big that, statement from them. Absolutely massive statement. If they can get him and they can keep Coutinho as well, and that will obviously you know one helps the other. Um, they could really. They're building a really good platform there, and I think the link there is 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 the Steven Gerrard thing. Yeah, I think we've seen how much players of that generation just love Steven Gerrard. Like the, the opportunity, particularly position that Calvin Phillips plays, you can see why he'd want to play under Gerrard. But um, does he mind being kicked? Well, yeah, Gerrard's got a big thing about that, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah. I, I like. So you talk about Gerrard talking about um, Saka, Bukayo Saka. One thing that made me, one thing that was funny about that. So what is it about people <laughs> of a certain generation? And Gerard is of our generation, really. Yeah. Well, mine and Jim's, at least. Anyway, yeah. be a bit kinder to you, Kate. Thanks. But, but why, why, I don't think to myself, I had it really hard, so I want other people to have I it know, harder. Right? Like, yeah. I'd quite like the younger people to have a better life than I had. Not that I had a terrible life, but do you know what I mean? It happens quite a lot in like in political yeah. stuff. You know, like we, won't, we can't forgive student debt because we had to pay our debt, so why the fuck shouldn't exactly, they pay yeah. it? Why not just make the world a better place? We had I remember reading in day. Why shouldn't you get beaten up by six formers? <laughs> exactly, yeah. yeah, very relatable. I, um, <laughs> I, I did read once that apparently the empathy centre in your brain shrinks as you get older, which oh, is right. apparently why people are you know, generally seen to become more right-wing as they get Good older. Good insight, Because they're, 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 you, your brain is just different. Are you so maybe right, like people a, who are right-wing a, a don't have an, flipped. Are you saying people who are right-wing don't have any empathy? I'm saying that some right-wing people have less empathy than more liberal people. Yes, I don't okay, think that's, that's controversial. Fair. I just want a clarification of your statement, mm-hmm. that's all. Yeah. <laughs> Philip Brown is back in management. Yeah. That wasn't a segue. A that's, that's just a, a fact. Um, League Two Barrow have appointed him as manager until the end of the season. You guys, um, do we think that's a good? Do we think that's a good call? He got obviously relegated with uh, Southend. Let's be. Look, Jim will have his own opinion. He's crap. So <laughs> I mean, I mean, it just depends how much Barrow need him. Yeah. Well, well, he's, I mean, if how he's crap, how do people, why do people need someone who's crap, especially if they're in potential relegation out of the Football League situation? Mm. It's they're probably the only category that's available, isn't it, if you're in that situation? But he, all they know them. about him recently, in particular, is that he can get people yeah. relegated. I don't know if that's useful here. No, it's not. It's definitely a At punt, least he's been it? there and done it, I guess. Yeah. Although, I mean, at the same time, he has managed in the Premier League. So you would you would probably take a punt on him, despite recent history. He, I've, we've not seen him in a while, and he's sort of evolving, isn't he? He's like a Pokemon. <laughs> like he was the, the last time we saw him, he had that sort of um, kind of 
sort of like antiques, like yeah. kind of David Dickinson look. Like yeah, he was yeah. Like, like what does he look like now then? Bargain hunt. He for me, it's Tragar from Nightmare again. Oh yeah, with okay. Every eighties and nineties TV show where I a man would lead um, children around an imaginary dungeon, uh, and he's he just he's just got a really similar. <laughs> Things look. were different then, weren't they? they were. Can't, yeah. can't make any TV shows these days. Can you? <laughs> to that. No. Um, I, I like from his point of view. I see why it, it was beautiful part of the world the Lake District um, I wouldn't say Barrow is the nicest part of the Lake District but it's at least on the on the border of it or maybe even part of it uh, down up, up in the northwest uh, and he's just come back from a little stint in India hasn't he so yeah. I mean he's not doing any work out there is he he's not going to be out there going right fucking 8 o'clock training get the cones out he's not going to be doing that and there's nothing that suggests like, Phil Brown look, hear it from me now Phil Brown's a crap manager right so it's sad that clubs down the bottom of League 2 I think there's a stat that um People were talking about saying that six of the bottom eight clubs have changed their manager recently in the League Two because it's such a disaster yeah. to drop out the Football League. So I'm not trying to make light of the fact that Barrow are in a bad position. Are, yeah, yeah, because that's obviously terrible. They obviously picked the manager they think can get them out of trouble. At least he's a name, I suppose. He's got experience working with big players. Christ, you'd be better off having the rev- the reverse of that, wouldn't you? Just get someone who's an actually good coach. I would say that. Who's no, no one's heard of. Perfect. Yeah. Get some women. You could probably get a fucking, like, you know... A, Top quality female manager to go and manage Barrow. Mm. There's my there's my tuppence for you. Yeah. They've done it now. They can't go back on it. Well, it's I been think... announced. Luke, come on. They, they will be going back on it. The fans. At some point, <laughs> probably in the not too distant future, they will be going back on that appointment. <laughs> yeah. Um, Possibly by the time the show comes out. <laughs> uh, just a quick reminder: there's a brand new upfront out today on Football Ramble presents. The team are previewing the return of Women's Champions League action with some huge games coming up this week, including our Classico tonight, Arsenal versus Wolfsburg tomorrow. Get involved. That's on Football Ramble presents, and it's out later today. All right, gang, that was fun. Yeah, I'm jealous of Upfront because I haven't got to talk about Phil fucking Brown. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, Luke was totally inserting that into the running order. They're doing big Champions League stuff. Talking about El Clasico, we have to do Phil Brown. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, if I, I guess if they've got to the end of this. Phil Brown and the Apprentice yeah. we've done. <laughs> Wasn't like this in our day, was it, Luke? <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> On tomorrow's show, it, it is Marcus, Andy and Vish yeah. taking the heat. I'm, I'm going to turn all their mics the wrong, the wrong way around so they have to hard, as hard as we did back in the day. <laughs> I'm going to break Vish's leg. Yeah. But that's it from to us. up. That's it from us today. Yeah. Jim, Luke, off you pop. <laughs> Thanks for listening to today's Football Ramble, part of the ACOS Creator Network. The Football Ramble is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.